0: Welcome to the Happy Mindset, today's episode is episode number 65 and today's episode title is called Motivating Millennials. So today I'm joined by James Hackney, James is the host of Millennial Motivation Podcast. On today's episode James shares some of the tragedies he overcame in his life, he shares how he travelled the world and rediscovered himself again, he talks about thoughts, how he started reconnecting with himself, how he started understanding the internal and external world. And how when he came back after his travels, how he, he started to see that people were having the same conversations, leading the same life. So James is really putting himself out there, he's inspiring millennials to look for more from life. His one of his biggest mantras is that people die at the age of twenty-five and wait until they're buried at the age of eighty. Something along those lines. But yeah, I understand the the, the message he's sharing is a very important one. He's inspiring millennials to follow their own path in life. And yeah, I really enjoyed talking to him and hearing his story today. He has overcome quite a few things happened to him at once that, were, that would turn another person's world in the wrong direction. So I was inspired to, to hear how James interpreted it, how he moved through it. And he shared some of the lessons he learned today to help you go through things as well if you're going through things. So thanks again for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode.
1: Okay, so thanks for joining us today, James. No, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. My first question is, who are you and what are you doing in the world today?
2: So my name is James Hatney, and I am the owner of the Millennial Motivation Podcast. It's a podcast that is aimed, as you probably guessed by the title, at millennials to help them to stop dying at the age of 25 to then be only be buried 50 years later when we hit that all-so-magical retirement. I'm focusing upon living a life of freedom and working outside the nine-to-five to escape the nine to five, all based around habits and what we do, the routines and what we do on a daily basis.
1: Good stuff. What was the motivation behind the podcast?
2: Uh, The motivation. um, So it's quite a kind of a long story. I'll keep it as short as I possibly can. So I started 2018 uh, last year. um, I just bought a house with my ex-girlfriend at the time. And two weeks later, I found that she was seeing somebody else. She was in love with somebody else. I had to kick her out and sell the home, and during that period of time, my nan passed away suddenly from cancer. My auntie passed away suddenly from cancer, and I kind of spiraled completely out of control. I I was in the I wasn't I suffered from depression, but I was extremely depressed. Um, I I was anxious. I had no confidence. I was so angry at the world. Um, I was struggling with my emotions and for t- I spent after the funeral of my auntie, which was in the April, I spent two weeks locked inside my house and barely eating, barely sleeping, watching TV, just browsing social media, just in a complete and utter rut, cutting everybody off. Um, and, and that came from really um, my mindset of how I wasn't recognizing how I was feeling. I wasn't working on my internal self. I was focusing on pleasing people externally when I wasn't internally happy, in which I could touch on a little little bit for you, because that may sound a little bit selfish, but there's a really good meaning behind that. And then to six months later, I actually went traveling around the world for for five months solo. And after coming back uh, this year in the end of April, I I remember walking into the pub uh, for a friend's birthday, and I could have had the same conversation with these people six, seven months ago. Nothing had changed in their life. I had changed so much, I would learned so much about the world and I thought, right, I need to help millennials to stop falling for the savage blueprint of life of just working, complaining, moaning in a job that they hate every single day to look towards this magical retirement which society has so promised us where we spend 40, 50 years not working towards a passion, not working towards a purpose dreading five days per week. We don't have to settle for that, there's more to that and I thought the, to start off, one of the best ways would be to get the message out through a podcast to start helping millennials straight away, which has embarked me on this journey of meeting incredible people like yourself, Dennis, and meeting other incredible people and open up so many opportunities and to help so many other millennials. And here I am today. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of a, the short abbreviation
1: of my story.
0: Good story, man. Uh, so how, how about uh, no, the
1: internal happiness you touched on there? Like, up until that point, you went through a lot of turmoil there. So were you aware of like, your internal state? and your emotions before all that turmoil or, or, or or not? I wasn't, no. I,
2: I, so after, once the, the house had, I found out about my name at the point of the time, I was very much like, I'm going to be positive. I'm going to be James Hackney. I'm going to be out there. I'm going to be happy. And I was kind of putting on a a, a mask, which was fine. I could deal with that. And I thought, I'm going to act to be confident. I'm going to start to act and think confidently and then when my nan passed away my auntie passed away once again i, I adopted that persona where i was like right i'm just going to help people externally so i lived in a house which is about 20 miles away from my hometown of stoke on trent and i would come i would visit family i would support my mom and i would be this happy joyful person who was trying to make my mom happy trying to be positive to my granddad to my other family members and in my auntie's case to my cousins to to um my auntie's husband, and I was just being this bubble of energy, just trying to be happy and trying to be the positive energy. But then what would happen is when I go back into this house, at the end of the day, after I'd been around all these people and I'd been to work, I would get into the house and I would sit on the sofa and I would be emotionally drained. I would be so unhappy. I'd be so angry. I would be so depressed and I would just sit there and I would just cry. And I I remember that because it was a new build, all the walls were white. And I just felt all these walls were closing in. And where anger, sadness, um, depression, anxiety, low, low confidence were all kind of with me as friends. And in that house, I was a completely different person to who I was externally. So internally, I was at rock bottom. But when I was in front of other people, I was trying to make other people happy externally by putting on a front. And deep down, internally, I was not right. And I was, I didn't know it at the time, but I was slowly on a, on a downward spiral which ultimately led to me in my, in my, I know people have really, really kind of low points. And but for me, this was my low point of just locking myself in the house and just cutting myself off from the world. And that was where I realized, right, I need to work on me internally and not focus on helping people externally until I can get myself right because I'm going to end up really, really damaging myself here.
1: What did, what did that realization feel like? Was that was like a thought that came up from you? Or how did you know that, you could do internal work. How, how did that come to your awareness? Well, I I
2: previously read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People the previous year. Because I'd touched on self-development. It had been an interest to me. And I got the book in the house and I thought, I'm just going to read it. I'm spending my day watching pointless series on Netflix. I'm going to put this book, book up and read it. So I started reading it and there's a, a bit in there where it talks about your eulogy of how you want to remem- be remembered at your funeral uh, when when you have in the book it touches on I think you have a family member a work colleague a friend what you want them to say about you so I thought right okay I'll I'll start writing this down so I'm writing all these emotions down like I wanted to be happy I wanted to be positive I wanted to be looking forward to each and every day I wanted to be someone who was inspirational I wanted to help other people and all these this list of these positive emotions came out and then I sat there I was like none of these not one of these emotions describes me right now and, how, and it was like, okay, so how am I going to change this? And I was like, the only way I'm going to change this is me. My, my habits at the moment in time, my routines, don't shout how I want to be, the direction that I want to go in and how I want to be feeling throughout the rest of my life. So I need to change. And it, just, it was just then finding out how to change. So that okay. was the aha moment.
1: So the book gave you the understanding of something to do with habits. Yeah, it was it was the
2: eulogy of this is where I, this is where I am, and this is where I want to be. How do I get from point A to point B? Oh. And in the book it touches on some really great techniques as well.
1: So, what were your first few steps then? Once you had that
2: realization, the first few steps was to get out the house. I was like, this house is the house. The house that I had brought was my first home with someone who at the time I thought I would be sharing it with and living there for years to come. And then to kind of be sat in that house with just waiting for the house to sell and I realised how much it was affecting me. So I straight away I got out of the house, I went for a run and it wasn't, it was just me getting outside, getting some fresh air. So I went for a run and then I came back in and then I analyzed, analysed what my current routine was. What I was doing on a daily basis, it was keeping me where I was. A few points, it was I was watching Netflix all the time. I was waking up late. And one big habit, which I, which I, I, I can elaborate more on, was I was analyzing my thought process around previous events. Does that make sense? So
1: I can on a little bit more for you. You were dwelling on the past and wondering why you did certain things? Is that, is that it? Yeah, along them, along them lines. So
2: what I would do is um, I would think back to particular occasions where me, where me and my ex-partner had had an argument, where she, for whatever reason or I, for whatever reason, we'd had a big argument, we'd fell out. I would play the moments back into my, in my mind over and over again, and I would be going through my mind how I would react differently yeah. in yeah. them scenarios. And it's almost as if, in my mind, I was trying to get one up on here. So I'd, I'd I'd have this situation. I'd have the situation, situation in my mind, and then I'd be like, "Oh, I could have said that." And that would have made her feel like that. And I was, I was kind of laughing in my mind at that, when really, it was, that, that, was, that was the biggest fuel of making me angry is reliving these, these, these moments. And then that was with me bringing back all these old emotions, bringing up all this negativity, bringing up all this anger. That was then causing me to just spiral down further and further and further without me realising. It was all about me then thinking, right, how am I going to stop this? And I started by just trying to think, right, as soon as I start replaying a previous event over my mind, I've got to catch it. And I've got to say, right, stop. This is not going to improve your mindset. not going to improve the direction you want to go in anyway. So then I'd stop it. And then five minutes later, it would come back around again. Then I had to catch it again. But slowly over time, by taking the small steps, I was able to, to notice the the thought process, the thought come into my mind before I even thought about it, which eventually then just eradicated it. And now I laugh, I look back and I laugh at what I used to do. But at the time, it was really serious. Hmm. And it was causing me a lot of
1: pain. I can, I can relate to that. Yeah, like I be like, my brain would be procrastinating, and you're so in it, you don't realize that you're living in your mind. You, it actually feels like reality. That's how, that's how mad the mind can be sometimes. It, it, it's, it's
2: amazing. and it, it, it can, What have you done in regards when you've kind of procrastinated? Has that been like in the podcast or has that been in your work? or?
1: I'm procrastinating on it. See, nowadays I'd catch myself, like, like you're saying there, so you catch yourself more, more and more that you're living in this fantasy world in your head and like it's, it's triggering emotions within you. Well, I guess I've gotten into a routine of like with the podcast now at the moment and doing it weekly. So I just, again, I guess from being aware of this, I realized that I don't have to take my, se- my feelings seriously because sometimes they're not even related to what's happening right now in the here and now. They're ha- they're yeah. playing they're, they're being triggered by things that are happening in my mind. So now that I have more of a, an awareness of that, I can be more in the real world and go, what do I want to achieve in the real world? And when these emotions come up, I might feel like, for example, after work this evening, I felt really tired. I took a bit of a nap. But like I knew I was going to talk to you at nine o'clock, so I, that was going to happen regardless of whether I felt lethargic or didn't feel like doing it. Yeah, there's those yeah. types of things that are that are helpful, now.
2: It is, and you can you can if you don't control if you can, if you if you don't control that, then it will control you. Yeah. And the, the the thought process behind that came from meditation. I don't know if it's something that you've ever tried, meditation. So, were
1: you meditating a little bit before all this happened,
2: in or? I was trying to. And when I say trying, I would sit down, I'd do it once a week.
1: And, That's interesting because you must yeah. have learned something to have that awareness because, like, what you were saying there, catching yourself like that, that isn't something that most people would do without any bit of awareness. Yeah. So, it- Yeah, in, in
2: in meditation, they teach you that, um, that it's okay to think. Like, I used to think meditation was where you didn't have to think at all. You could have no thoughts. Your mind was just clear and vacant, which – for my mind it's just constantly on the go and meditation is all around it, it talks about these, these thoughts can come into your brain and your mind when you're in this deep calm but you have to recognize them and then just let them go like a balloon or let them float by like a cloud and I was trying to bring that that thing what's the word for it I was trying to bring that concept into dealing with this anger and with this me spiraling some more negativity and yeah, so I, I, can take, I can imagine that that's where the concept came from.
1: That's good, because like you often hear people, they'll do meditation, they'll give up on it. But from your experience there, it seemed like you learned something regardless of whether you gave up or not, because you brought it into this, yes, it did serve you in the future. So it yeah, just, I guess, it, yeah. it, sh- it shows you can try things out and feel like it didn't work and actually they do help you down the line sometime.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I think as well, I think that's a great point that you just said is it can help you further down the line. And I still today. I'm meditating every single day. And when I don't meditate during my day, I feel all flustered and I feel like oh, I'm missing something. And by taking that time out, it just allows me to come back down and, and kind of become more present in the moment. And I think also as well, I, I, was, I think also as well, I, was, I was meditating for the wrong, the wrong reasons. I think I was doing it just because I thought it was something that would help everybody do you know what i mean like it, it, or it would help all my problems when I, d- I meditate now because it allows me the time to i do it now because it allows me to be present it allows me time to let my mind rest and I've, i i that, that's the purpose behind my meditation
1: that's yeah, good it's the intention it's uh, i think for me it was the today now it's like i see meditation is more like the, the state of mind you're in so it's just anytime you're like feeling like your mind's revved up and you can actually take a step back in your mind and just give yourself perspective. That's for me like the, the flow state, this meditative state. But I think the intention for me is like peace of mind rather than adding to your sense of self. Cause like when you're adding to your sense of self, like you want to be a meditator because you want to be perceived in a certain way. I feel meditation yeah. doesn't work that well when you're coming from, from that point of view. But If you're looking at it from a point of view of, I want to have peace of mind. I want to have more clarity, and more perspective in my life. And from sitting down and meditating or just being more aware, being more comfortable with the thoughts that go through your head, that for me, that's where the space starts coming in, where you're like getting distance from the thought to the, to you. So like for me, when I was doing some meditation, it was a, I can remember for the first few weeks, it was like I was sitting down in the room meditating. And up until that point, I always felt like the judgments in my mind, that I felt that were coming from people, were yeah. actually coming from those people every time. But then I started realizing my mind is replaying this. And it's given me this perception of this person's judging me right now. So, Something practical would have been like, I would imagine somebody specifically judging me for meditating because it'd be like, who does this guy think he is? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I didn't see that from someone else, man.
2: That is so, so correct. Even though this person may never, ever find out that you're meditating, in your mind, you are believing what this person say if they found out that I'm meditating, and then that can stop you from meditating because you've made up this opinion in your mind.
1: Yeah. And it could be true. It could be false. But the thing that matters is that this is happening in your mind right now, acknowledging that that's where the power is.
2: Yeah. You, you separate yourself from the thought, and you realize that your thought isn't actually what you, you don't have to actually trust your thoughts because mm. your thoughts are completely spontaneous and irrelevant and may have no need to be in your mind. You don't have to believe and trust every single thought that you have just because it's come from you. We think, Oh, that must be how I feel. That must be true. Mm -hmm. And really, I I, I truly believe that your mind and you you can kind of step back from your mind and think like, what is going on here? What am I thinking? Why am I thinking this?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And a bit of humor too, after a while, a bit of humor coming into really helps as well. It gives you that kind of like distance from it. But so like when you started becoming aware of this, what started shifting in your life then when you started seeing your mind replaying events in the past,
2: so so when when I was replaying these in my mind, you're talking about or oh, were well, you talking about when I stopped replaying?
1: Yeah, like when you started like stopping yourself, like you were aware that this was happening and you started like stopping yourself more. Was that a shifting in your life in, in the real world and after a while?
2: Yeah, a huge shift. I stopped seeking revenge. So I was constantly seeking to get revenge and trying to get one up. And that was occupying a big space of my life, a big space of the time because I would, let's, let's say I woke up in the morning, I would think that thought, I'd think about this particular event, that, that kind of thought wouldn't just last five to ten minutes, that would last a few hours after. So for the rest of the morning, I'm in this mindset where I'm kind of negative, I'm angry, I'm trying to get one over, I'm frustrated, where when I was catching the thought earlier on, and I was like, James, stop thinking about this, this is not going to help you out, I didn't have the hour, two hours, three hours after where I was winding myself up and spiraling myself down in negativity. I could use that time then to focus on other areas, have a more peaceful mindset and not be just replaying this event over and over in my mind.
1: Mm-hmm. And then like, what sort of actions could you take in the real world because you had this time that was freeing up?
2: Uh, so I just, it was more kind of, it was more kind of based on I saw that there's other areas of my life, like Netflix. I was watching so much TV. I was spending a lot of time on social media, and with this with this free time, (laughs) I started to replace that free time with watching more Netflix and more spending more time on social media. So I replaced a bad habit with another bad habit. Now it's great to what thinking like I love watching Netflix. I love watching a bit of TV now and again. But I replaced a bad habit with a bad habit. So I was like, okay, so I've stopped thinking about this, spiraling down these negative emotions and winding myself up. That's fine. That's great. But what else can I do in the place of that? So then I started to read more. I started to allow that free time to be free time. So I started to run, to, to run, to try to do longer meditations. I was practicing what I was reading in books. So like seven habits of highly effective people, the magic of thinking big, which is an incredible book. And I see is as my Bible. I was putting these into practice because them two are great books of giving you giving you insights and giving you techniques and then actually giving you the understanding of how to put these into practice on a daily basis so i was using that time to work on the mindset and be more positive put into practice what i was learning and to see how else i could develop myself and a lot of it came from watching kind of youtube videos
1: as well that were online mm-hmm. so like are you able to think bigger now as well now that you've got a bit more perspective and clarity around the nature of your thoughts
2: yeah yeah you once you realize that i think it can be switched across where once you realize that these negative thoughts i was thinking they weren't actually what i wanted to think we can apply that to when we have limiting beliefs or when we have small minded thoughts just because your mind thinks small doesn't mean that you can actually act small You, You just it as, is as, 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 oh, as easy to think small as it is to think big. It's the exact same process. It's which one that we choose. And more than likely, it's to recognize when we are thinking small and, and then to converge and think more positively and think more bigger. So, it, it, yeah, that, that allowed me to think bigger because I recognize it. If I can overcome this, I can overcome the next obstacle. I can overcome the next obstacle. And I don't have to trust my thoughts. And I can catch my thoughts when they're thinking negative and twist them and turn them into positive thoughts. Just as I was, when I was in this kind of slump, I was taking the odd positive thought and turning it negative. I can slip it around, I can flip it around and take the negative thought and make it more positive.
1: That's good, yeah. So you're building momentum in a new direction, in a positive yeah. direction rather than unconsciously letting me slip into a negative direction. Which is so easy to do. Yeah, I think... I think a lot of negativity, though, is just unconscious. It's like when we're unconscious and we're not aware of like, what we're doing or like, how we're feeling or how we're thinking, it's very easy to slip into negativity because like, we are wired for survival as human beings, so that's the default we can slip into. But like, yeah. what you think is stopping most people from thinking bigger? One of my blocks, too, was like, who am I to think big and, and this type of stuff, and so that, until I start to, to realize that that in itself is a thought as well. Who am I to think that I can think big in this type of stuff?
2: Yeah. I think, I think it comes from the environment that we have been in for the majority of our lives. Um, I'm from a, a, a city in England where everybody's working class, where nobody really does. I'm from kind of a family where no one does anything really extraordinary. We go to work, we retire, and when you're brought in, in society as well through your schooling life, you'll learn to get a job, you'll learn to get a career. That's what they teach you, basically, the fundamentals. And then you leave, you go to college, you go to university or wherever. And I think it's all about that environment. And it's so hard to break for for 17, 20, 22, 23 years. That's been our lives, that small-minded kind of environment. This plate safe, don't take any risks. So when it comes to then people wanting to take the risks, people wanting more from life, They've been in the same habits, the same routines, the same lifestyle for the majority of their life. And that's a big, big challenge to, to break. And, it's, and that's what I feel stops a lot of people, is they can be just like, oh well, I've done this for 20 years, I may as well just do it for another 20 years. Mm-hmm. When, and they, they see that where they want to be is so far away, and they expect it to change overnight, in a month, in a year, in two years when it takes it's a long process but it's all about starting that process and moving forward because if you don't if you don't start if you don't take action then you're never going to get there and you're going to be living the same life having the same regrets as your ancestors
1: did previously do you have any insights around how somebody would go about starting to change their environment some small steps they can start taking but there's that big saying that
2: you are the average of the five people that you spend your time with and it doesn't and I always thought okay so I've got to spend time with these people who are where I wanna be. One, how do I find these people? Two, what on earth do I say to these people? Why would they want to speak to me? And three, what am I gonna do when I actually introduce myself to these people? I'm just James Hackney. And I realized okay, I can I can actually I can listen to these people without having to respond to them by listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. If you go onto podcasts and you type in like your Tony Robbins, you've got Gary, Gary Vee, you've got, uh, there's another guy that I listened to who got me into podcasts, a guy called Sam Crowley. You just have to search in motivation or you can search in any area that you want to learn, you want to develop. And it's there. You haven't got to speak back. It's just you listening to them. And I treated them as one of my five people that I spent my time time around. So I became, I want. I still now, spend my time around these people. Don't speak back to them, obviously. But i am listening to this advice and i think if anybody's thinking how do i how do i get to these people how do i change my environment how do i start to get the wheels moving is by just taking 10 15 minutes a day half an hour a day just by plugging in and listening and listening to what these people are telling you because they are where we want to be and they have Mm. so much great advice you haven't got to speak back you haven't got to have any form of confidence, any form of, of of self-belief. You can have the you can have the lowest self-esteem in the world. But once you start listening to these people and you haven't got to even listen, speak back, then you can start to think, do you know what? I'm spending my time around people who are one, thinking bigger, two, have huge dreams, three, who are successful, and four, have a mindset of where I want to be, it's only natural if you feed your brain, if you pour in these ingredients into your mind. That you'll start to think more positively you will start to want to implement these habits these techniques that these are using and that's a great way it's how i started if just by plugging in half an hour an hour a day and just zoning into what they were saying and i think that's a great way to we can we, that people can kind of change their environments
1: with not a huge change yeah that's good i started with books it was uh and the thing is too you can start and still be uncomfortable with it i can remember when i was reading like self-development books and personal development books I felt like a, an idiot. I felt like a fish out of water. and I was like, what the yeah. hell am I doing? <laughs> but then over time, like the, I guess the, you touched on the negative conditioning. It can be very, very strong. And initially, it's very hard to break through. But on the flip side of that is that if you take small, consistent daily steps in the long term, that positive conditioning is just as powerful without you having to do much. So it, yeah. that's the encouragement and the hope that I would say to people.
2: Which book which, which, did you start reading first? Which book was it that you started first, to excel <clears throat>
1: Well, the first book that shifted my mind around learning was actually uh, Fluent and Train ones by Benny Lewis. I have there. So that, it's not really a personal development book, but it's like, uh, it was about, I was interested in learning Spanish and Italian and I wanted to learn them a lot quicker than I learned French. So I was like, there has to be another way than the traditional going to a classroom and like learning it that way. And I came across language hacking and they started talking about speaking from day one and all this kind of stuff. In hindsight, I realized that personal development helps you a lot because it's about like understanding yourself, the, like the uncomfortable emotions that come up at the thought of speaking from day one. If you yeah. can handle that, you get more practice in and you'll get better at the language quicker. Like if you know, like when you start looking at language tracking, you'll start seeing what's the most important thing to learn at each step of the way. So that was the first book. And then I, I gradually started reading, what did I, what did I read? I would have read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I would have read um, Dale Carnegie's um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yeah, The, the charisma myth as well is another one that's not my mind. Because up until I read that, I felt that like charisma was some inborn, natural thing that some people had and some people didn't. I didn't realize yeah. it was something you can cultivate. And that's when I started realizing soft skills was a thing. Up until then, I didn't realize that you've got like, your hard skills of technically learning new skills. And you've got your soft skills of like, bringing out more in yourself. So yeah, they were kind of, the start of the books, they kind of got the momentum kind of going and reading lots
2: of other books Then as well, Yeah, they're, they're, they're two great, I think they're two foundation books that I think anybody who's looking at self-development, you touched on, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and the, oh, I someone's one, I've completely forgotten now.
1: How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yeah, How
2: to Win Friends and Influence People, they're two books, that I think. I can really remember... Foundations.
1: <laughs> I remember when I read that book first, I was like, I didn't want anybody to see the cover because it, it felt really uh,
2: <laughs> like yeah, manipulative
1: or something. But as, just a simple tip that stood out in my mind for that was like, remember people's names, use their name when you talk to them, you say hello. Yeah. I never had that awareness before and I, I don't think I'd even say my friends' names before. And I realized that, <laughs> and I realized myself, I was like, when people mention my name, I do actually like it. Yeah. like, it's such a simple She's thing.
2: And I think when you when when you look at i know when i think the first time i picked up this book i was like oh wow this is just going to be full of these habits and techniques that are just going to be too good for they're going to be too complicated for me who do i think i am trying to learn all this all this all this new techniques and i am not worthy of all this but when you actually start to read through like you've just said it's calling people by the first name yeah. it's the subtle techniques that we did the small steps that you do on a daily basis which then will influence you drastically and compound over time and yeah that was a fear of mine of just this is going to be just way over my head i read it i'm thinking this is actually pretty simple it's just taking action on these simple steps
1: mm-hmm. now well for you how do you take action despite how you feel what helps you to do that
2: um i i've started to recently asked myself a question and, uh, and I asked myself actually this morning this question and it's all around about in terms of goals and taking action upon the small steps that are behind the goals I ask myself kind of when I am having that when I am throwing the excuses of not uh, to, to throw me off doing it or having the negative thoughts I ask myself kind of what would the average person do like this for prime example, this morning, um, we it's bank holiday Monday here in England. And I got I was like that's last night, I was like, right, I'm gonna get up tomorrow morning, half past six, go for a run, nice ten kilometre run, because I've got a busy day, a couple of coaching clients, a couple of interviews penned, I'm gonna have a busy day. So I wanna set my mind, get the focus right. Half six comes along, the alarm rings, and normally I can get up easily. So I'm awake, but I'm like it's a little bit foggy outside. I think it's raining a little bit. I'm warm in bed. I'm comfy. Then I was asked myself the question: What would the average person do? And the average person would roll over and just go back to sleep and wake up whenever. And then that would probably, and then that would probably set the tone for the rest of the day. But I don't want to be average. I want to achieve my goals. I want. I I want to achieve these targets that I have set myself. And that was like, right, okay, get out of bed, James, come on. And then another great way is something that I've been doing for the past year or so is falling back on my why. And because these mini goals that I set contribute to one big goal. And it's the why am I doing the, why am I working towards this big goal? And I run through the, P, okay, I'm I'm doing it because of this. I'm doing it because of that. I'm doing it because of this. I'm like, right, okay. And then I've, I've self motivate myself as well. So it's like, right, okay, I'll do it now. And um, that's that's one way. So I've got the asking myself the question of um, what would an average person do? Two, falling back on my why. And there's the third, another, another technique that I would say is I used to think these tasks took a lot longer than they actually do. So I used to think, oh, these tasks take 10, 20 minutes. So I used to start timing myself. And I'd be like, oh, it took me three minutes. I'm like, okay, okay. And it's as simple as I started doing that with the dishwasher. I used to think emptying a dishwasher took half an hour. So I'd never do it. I'd be like, oh, I'm not doing that. It's half an hour. But when I timed it, I'm like, oh, it's six minutes. I'm like, okay. i like, so then I was looking at other tasks. I'm like, right, so going for a run, oh, that's going to take, that's going to be hours. It takes 20 minutes. Like, ah, okay, yeah, I'm gonna start time I'm gonna start timing what how long stuff takes me because it doesn't. I'm gonna have a lot more time than I actually think I do, and by not doing it, it just procrastinates it even more. And I'm gonna end up doing it, but just when I just just for the sake of, oh, I haven't done it for a few weeks. I best do it now. When I really, I should be doing it because I have to do it right now and I want to do it right now.
1: At any point, you were did you realize how your brain was playing tricks on you? Like you're mentioning there, about it's overemphasis kind of it dramatizes how long something's going to take. Did you ever read anything about the brain, or did you ever come to a realization that your brain's kind of fooling you about certain things? Um, I've always been kind of very
2: skeptical about the brain and how I how I see the brain. So, just I don't know if this comes from my personal thoughts. Like, um, it comes from when I was younger. My dad had a brain hemorrhage when I was six or seven. And I remember seeing the state he was in, how damage to his brain had completely kind of shut him down. His brain literally shut himself. So he had a brain hemorrhage, and his brain shut himself down for two to three weeks. And during that two to three weeks, I went and saw him. I had conversations with him. He was in hospital. We had like a big scar on the side of his head and all tubes going in him. But I could have a conversation. It was his birthday. So we put on a birthday cake. But then he says he remembers nothing at all, apart from three weeks later. And that got me thinking throughout that feel like we aren't really in control of our mind. We aren't in control of our thoughts. We aren't in control. So our mind can sometimes want to control us. And then that, I could probably say that's where it comes from, where I look at how it's almost a battle between you, got your spirit, and your brain. Your brain, they always say that as well, that your brain, um, that, when you are running or you're doing a, a particular task that's physical and endurance that your brain will give up first when your body can go so, so much further because your brain, when you're, when you're running, your, your legs start to ache, your muscles start to ache, your knees start to ache. But do they actually ache? That's your brain sending you pain signals because it's having pain when your body can go so much further. So then I started to relate that to, okay, when I'm doing a certain task, my brain's going to find ways to take me away from that task. And you touched on before, I know we were talking about before the podcast about your brain is built for survival and not for doing these difficult tasks and not for challenging, challenging yourself. So it's more of, of, of accepting that that the, okay, my brain's going to throw these thoughts at me. My brain's going to try and pull me off cause for these distractions and make these excuses up. Mm. That's the tricks it's going to play on me. It's down to me to overcome that. So I kind of see it as a friendly battle.
1: yeah it's befriending yeah it's kind of having that distance like because at one stage i thought i just assumed that those thoughts were me so it was like it was me that was telling me that i was tired or i didn't want to do that and i didn't think i had a choice in like overriding that and just acting anyway so i think it's important to have that perspective
2: no it's it's a good thing to look at definitely because your brain will play tricks on you
1: yeah and it plays tricks on all of us but uh but then when did you start getting a sense of like a mission and a purpose and a direction to what you're doing? Did that take long for you to start seeing that for yourself?
2: In regards to the podcast, it was, and helping other millennials, it was when I came back and I could see how how people hadn't changed and how they were doing the same routines, the same habits, drinking the same pubs, drinking the same drinks. I was like... This- People, people want to change. People have this desire to change. I have changed so much. I've been able to revolutionise my habits and start a journey. I want to help other people to have that in their life, and and I could see the potential in so many people, but they just couldn't tap into that potential because they had poor habits on a daily basis. So I set up the podcast to help other millennials and to let them know that we are all the same. It's just how we treat our inner and i of reading a book from tony robbins about awakening the giant inner within and i completely agree with it we have this amazing thing inside of us and it's about bringing that out so the purpose was to help millennials to listen to our and our relatives who tell us to go for your dreams because i was i was told before when traveling to go for your dreams do what you want do what you love and it's only recently that i realized that the people that are telling us this like my grandparents, my my, my mom, my dad, maybe out of regret, because they haven't done that. And I don't want millennials to have that same regret when and to be and to be giving that same message out in 20, 30 years time. And the purpose then the purpose, like I thought I had my purpose, but then it changed. And then it changed and I was under the perception that once you find your purpose, that is it. You can never change your purpose, but it has changed. It's changed. It's changed. And now I'm pretty confident on the message that I'm trying to put out on the purpose. But I'm guaranteed it's going to change. <laughs> yeah. But it's got the it goes on the same kind of line of things. Do you understand what I mean?
1: Yeah, I think no. I think that's the nature of it, like your purpose and your mission. That it does change and evolve as you evolve. But I think another thing that could be encouraging for somebody is that like you stepping out and doing and building your dream it actually can look very normal as well. Like it's not like being on a world stage sometimes. Like you'll do, by taking action, doing things that you want to do, but you feel other people will judge you for it and think you're weird. That's a sure signal. They're the small baby steps to take. And As you start taking that, then it'll start formalizing into like reality of like, this is the life you're supposed to be living. This is your dream life. And it could look very, very normal to somebody on the outside, but you'll know whether you're living it on the inside. So I think, yeah. From knowing yeah. that now that that there's no like barrier to entry there, you don't need to be some world superstar straight away. It's like yeah. just do you.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I completely agree. That's, that's a that's a really good point. Just do you, be you, and learn from people who are where you want to be. And I don't know about you, I, I had you just touched on it with the judgment. What will people say? People calling you a weirdo. People saying, "Why are you doing this? That's so stupid." Once you, that, that comes at the start, I found, I don't know about you, I found that was at the start. That was at the very start when I was launching the podcast, telling people about the podcast or telling people that I wanted to, to help people to, 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 imp, to change their lives. That all came then. But once you actually so take that leap and you start doing it and you start to actually taking action upon that, I found that can, can slowly disappears because that then becomes the norm. That then becomes you. And you'll start to change. And once you start to see the self-development and how you are growing, you'll start to think, you know what? I don't really care about people's opinions. I don't really care what people say or people think because I am actually happy. I'm mm-hmm. happier than I was back then. And I'm happy now. It's all about getting over that initial step and just building that momentum and
1: moving forward yeah and what i found as well is the stories it's those stories what will people think it's all those stories that are in your head that are making you unhappy so once you start taking action once you start seeing through all this stuff like it's not it's not easy to begin with but like once you start doing that you'll get more freedom of mind because the stories will start dropping and you'll have more of a sense of happiness because those stories have been keeping you unhappy and yeah yeah uh, well who 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 creates some stories it's yourself. yourself yeah well that's the magic you start seeing you're the one creating it so it's like you're the one that can drop it yeah
2: yeah yeah i completely agree if you create it you can drop it yeah you can get rid of it just as you just as you create i don't know you, just as you create something in this world you can quite happily get rid of it if you want to
1: yeah i say that's, it. that's the nature of life <laughs> it, is, it is and and i think
2: your dream can seem so big and so scary and if your dream is big and scary take credit for that man you're dreaming big you're you're thinking big and the people that are are throwing the weirdo comments the negative comments at you they are the small-minded people and they will be doing the same habits the same routines for the next 30 40 years they will never ever dream big but give yourself a pat on the back for dreaming big for having a scary dream because then that'll then you've got then i think it's great having that scary dream that big dream you want to go to it's just then about okay what steps, what small steps, imperfect steps can I take to get to that dream? That's
1: good, yeah. Cool, so do you have any final message before we leave today, James?
2: It would be, from, for me, it would be to have a look at what you do on a daily basis outside the nine to five and how that makes you feel and how you can... And... Hmm. man's come blank. Yeah, so that would be, yeah. So I would say on a daily basis, analyze what you do on a daily basis. So your morning routine and your evening routine, because how you live today is how you live your life. Uh, you don't live your life in the future, you don't live your life in the past. And how you live today, just take one small step forward, because that's one step forward than you were yesterday. And then that will compound over time. And once you start seeing momentum, you will want more momentum, so you'll start to doing additional things. But it's all about what we do today, to shape tomorrow, and then that shapes the future. It's really unlocking. You The great Jim Rohn quote where he says, um, you are the key to your future success. And I, I believe that couldn't be any truer at all. Mm-hmm. So how would
1: these guys find you online?
2: Um, so, yeah, so you can head over um, um, into the podcast, Millennial Motivation Podcast, uh, that's the title on it on iTunes, all across the podcasting hosts, and Instagram as well, Millennium Motivation Podcast, DM me, I'd love to hear from you, um, any topics for the podcast, anything you want me to cover off, but also I am available for a, just a free 30-minute coaching call where millennials have been jumping on and we talk about your dream, what's keeping you stuck, and how we can get you unstuck and moving forward, just taking that one step, and that's at dot launchwithjames.com.
1: Cool. Thanks, James. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. It was great hearing your story and how you've come from where you were to where you are now, the power of habits and the power of mindset and the power of your positivity as well. So it was a pleasure talking to you, man.
2: Thank you very much for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've really enjoyed it.
1: Well, so next, until next time, have fun and enjoy the process.